pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 176. Today I'm going to chat with Jerry Michelek, discuss the 2A battle of the 117th Congress, highlight the new P-50 from Caltech, and talk about the insane events in Washington, D.C. that recently took place. I'm your host, Ava Flanell, and guys, real quick before we get into the show, if you haven't gotten your calendar, your Gun Funny or Ava Flanell calendar, head on over to gunfunny.com. They're on sale right now, $20 free shipping. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Ava. Thank you. Doing good. I'm so glad to finally get you on the show. It only took 176 episodes. Ah, <laughs> Is that all? Yeah, that's it. Okay. No big deal. You're just the fastest shooter in the world. <laughs> but before we get into it, Smith & Wesson. Smith & Wesson, one of my newest sponsors, mm-hmm. who happens to also be one of your sponsors, I know that you've been shooting for Smith & Wesson for over 30 years, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be right at 30 or over 30 now. Yep. 1990 or 89, I think I joined in right at the end of the year. Yep. Wow. And so you've contributed to a number of firearm designs. What would you yep. say is your favorite product or products from Smith & Wesson? Well, the one that I really can take a lot of credit for is the 929 revolver, their 9mm revolver, mm-hmm. titanium cylinder with my signature on it. Yeah, that one's yeah. a nice one. I've said in the past that I think they make some of the best revolvers. I'm assuming that you've toured their facility and you've seen the revolvers made. Oh, yeah. Well, back in the 80s, I was there and I saw a great transformation with the automation of the plant to the big machining centers. And actually, the quality of the product now is more consistent than it's ever been. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you guys want to check out more from Smith & Wesson, just head on over to smith-wesson.com. And now we'll get into it. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Jerry, most of my listeners are very familiar with you, but I do have quite a few new listeners recently who've gotten into firearms. So for those who aren't familiar with who you are, can you just give a little bit of a background and what it is that you do in the firearms industry? Well, I have a professional competitor. I've shot since 1976 and turned pro in, say, 1990. And I've shot a minimum of 21 competitions a year up until this last year. So I've been on the road a lot. I've shot a lot of ammo. I've done a lot of training. I've personally fired probably two or three million rounds and probably seen, I don't know, 10 million rounds shot or maybe more. Wow. (laughs) So it's a lot of fun. I, I stay busy. And it's been really, really good to me as a person to do what I like to do. Yeah, definitely. And what got you started? Because I think I listened to a podcast where, were you in the car industry before this? No, I was a maintenance mechanic. Okay. I was a millwright, which is an outdoor machinist, basically, if you want to look at it that way. And anyway, I knew that wasn't going to take me where I wanted to go. I wanted to do more things than uh, stay locked down in one position. So shooting and travel has been a lot of fun. Got to meet a lot of good people. And when was the first time that you shot a gun? 
Well, I've always had something in my hands. Even when I was a little bitty kid, we had toy guns, which people think that's a bad thing, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always had something, you know, then we had BB guns when we were young and pellet guns and then uh, 22 rifles and shotguns. And here I am. And have you always been a really great marksman? No, I was really bad. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and I think if you, if you actually research most people, when they pursue something, they usually start at it really bad mm-hmm. and it builds a fire in them to do better. Mm-hmm. So I look at it, even today, it's what excites me to go to the range and want to do better than what I did yesterday. So nice. that's the fun part of it. And what made you decide that you're going to become a professional shooter? Well, you know, I've said this before, you know, in life, you have doors that open in front of you and sometimes you're ready to step through them and sometimes you're not. I just happened to be available at the right time with the door open and I was able to step through it and go to the next level and had enough, I would say, career luck in timing that Smith & Wesson, when they first started their first pro team, Mr. Roy Jenks, who was the company historian at the time, wanted to do a team and convince Smith & Wesson that they needed a professional shooting team. And they hired me on as a revolver guy. And I had been shooting competitions with revolvers up to that point on my own. And it enabled me to go in a, in a professional direction with enough sponsorship money to where I could make a living at it. So, Wow, that's crazy. You currently have five officially sanctioned world records in revolver shooting and over 15 unsanctioned records. Yep. One of them was six shots offhand on target with a Barrett M10750 BMG, which was in 98 of a second. Yeah. And you capture that again on <laughs> high-speed video and beat your original record. Yeah. <laughs> How big of a rush was a record like that? Well, you know, I had never shot one before, ever. I never has been around one. So I, we got with Barrett, and they, they sent me one, and I did two side-in shots, and then I just shot it. Wow. Uh, and what was really fun with shooting that gun, it's got such a cycle time on it. Mm-hmm. That it really, it's telling you what to do, if that makes sense. It does, sense. yeah. yeah. It's, I've shot it up long gun. You can actually feel them work. And that has such a big bolt in it, you can feel it cycle and it just times out. The gun will actually time out at about 17 hundredths of a second between shots. And I think that's about exactly what it was, 17 wow. splits. That's crazy. Just a fun gun to ride. Mm-hmm, definitely. I can't help but think, as you get a little bit older, has this affected your shooting abilities at all? Well, your eyesight, of course, uh-huh. and your duration. You know, I was training with Lena here the last few days. Uh, I used to be able to shoot a lot longer, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, just the way it is. I mean, you get older, but you still, if you stay active, you uh, you can have a. One thing about competitive shooting, you can have a pretty long career in it. Yeah. Uh, so, especially well, I mean, with the new with with the new sighting system with red dots and optics. Oh yeah, definitely. Pretty- do your hands or anything ever get tired or? I, that's one reason I cut back on my handgun shooting the last few years. I shot more three gun. Uh-huh. You know, after you shoot a couple million rounds a year, it's like anything repetitive. You don't want to beat yourself to death. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to live a long and productive life and I'm not shoot my hands completely out. So mm-hmm. I've cut back on it a little bit and went into long guns more, which has been a lot of fun. So. Yeah. And I think it's important to to know that instead of push yourself to where you can no longer use what you have. I think that's yeah, really smart. Yeah. Yep. Another record that you have is emptying five shots from a revolver in 57 of a second. 
in a group the size of a playing card. Yeah, 5,700, yeah. That's crazy. It's so yeah, crazy. That- and everybody who is always, yeah, you don't want a revolver, which I'm also I'm a firearms instructor, and I typically mm-hmm. tend to steer my students away from revolvers just because with guns like the Easy, even if they had a hard time racking the slide, they've come such a long way with the development of semi-automatics. But my biggest concern is just that anything with a decent caliber, you just don't have enough. You always want more ammo. And you're limited to about five or six rounds and reloading isn't always that quick. But you definitely make somebody rethink, well, maybe a revolver wouldn't be so bad. You make it look extremely easy. Well, it's a good gun. It's a very, very reliable gun. Mm -hmm. That's one of its main attributes is the fact that if it doesn't go bang, you pull the trigger again and something's going to happen. Yeah. Whereas a pistol, you have to do the whole sequence of events to get it maybe back into the shooting position again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Revolver, it's going to be very forgiving on technique and ammunition. So yeah, it's really, really a good choice for self-defense. Yeah. Is that typically what you use for self-defense as a revolver? It depends where I'm at and what I'm doing. Okay. So I've got pistols that I've shot a lot and I trust. I know how to use them. I know the ammunition. And that's the thing. Uh, if you're a novice and you just want to have a, I say a novice, if you're not going to commit a lot of time in training, a revolver is very simple and it works. So it's uh, kind of foolproof. Yeah, definitely. You've won over 100 national and world titles. And it would take forever to obviously list all of those, but what are some of your biggest accomplishments? Well, we used to shoot a competition. It was called the American Handgunner. And you shot man against man speed shooting uh-huh. on steel targets. And uh, the way they did it is you had different divisions. You had pistol, you had optic pistol, you had revolver, you had optic revolver, single action. And you shot for about four days. And the top of all the divisions on the last day had a chance to shoot against one another for an overall championship. And I won it back in, I think, 98 with a revolver. It was the first time a revolver had ever won it. Wow. And I shot against one of the best uh, pistol shooters in the world, and I beat him heads up. Hmm. And I, I was lucky enough to win that competition three times in my career. Wow. So I went up against the pistol guys and had a chance to beat them, and I did. So I was pretty, pretty proud of that one. Yeah, definitely. You actually, you went to a local match here in Colorado, which is where I live, and I was surprised to see you. And one of the things that really impressed me about you is instead of you being like, well, I'm Jerry, things are above you. You were right out there setting up targets and working, I mean, if not harder than a lot of the other guys out there. And I just thought that it made you such a humble guy. And then I asked to take a picture with you. You asked me if I did any competition shooting, which I've dabbled, but I just don't really Mm -hmm. have time because I typically teach on the weekends. But it was just, I don't know, I thought it was just great to see you at some of these local matches. And I'm sure guys were just super excited to be shooting alongside with you. Do you typically get that a lot? I I never think, well, one thing I I try to never do is and if you come into my home or something, you won't see a trophy anywhere. <laughs> what do you do I, with uh, them? <laughs> I, I, they're, they're put up in a shed somewhere or the other. But, you know, to me, uh, winning is not the goal of the whole endeavor. Mm-hmm. It's the journey to get there. And if you're real lucky in life, you meet the right people along the way. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Hmm, I like that. Yep. Lena has followed in your footsteps. How do you feel about that? 
that was kind of surprising, really. Uh, I didn't think she was going to go that way. But uh, out of all the people I've ever instructed, uh, she sees exactly the way I see. Mm-hmm. And when I want to explain a, a speed drill to her, it's just like I'm looking in a mirror talking to myself. But really, one of her great attributes is uh, the ability. Uh, we call it big head as a slang, not to get big head. Mm-hmm. And to think that you actually know something. And she's never had a big head moment that, that keeps her from learning. And that's really the, the way to achieve the next level is to always uh, expect more. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing at this moment is probably not the right thing. And always keep the eye open for something better. I had a chance to meet an old boy. He passed up Edison on patents years ago. And uh, he gave me a, a, a quote that's just kind of, kind of, I like it. It says, never fall in love with your own invention. Hmm, I like it. So keeps you humble and it keeps you, keeps you hungry for the next moment. So yeah. pretty good, pretty sound, pretty sound advice. Definitely. And what would you say is your proudest moment seeing Lena become such an accomplished shooter? Well, there's been several. One of it is how well she can perform under extreme pressure. Mm-hmm. She has the ability to zone out. Some of the things I've never, you know, we, everybody's different when it comes to stress and stress management. Mm-hmm. And she has a happy place she can go to. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is huge. I think you could be the best shooter ever, but then once you hear that beep and you're required yeah. to perform, a lot of people sometimes will freeze or they let themselves get the best of them. Always. <laughs> yeah, you're always your worst enemy on the line. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It's hard to live with yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I know. And then I can't help but also think that as you go throughout your career and you win these titles, that it's almost like people just expect it. Or even as an instructor, if I'm on the range shooting with my students, they're expecting me to do really well and you can't mess up. So it's like you feel the pressure. And I would imagine that you guys feel that as well, just because of the names that you guys have made for yourselves. Does that ever get to you or do you also kind of just realize, right. hey, at the end of the day, you're human? You know, everybody, when you, when you become a professional, there's a, they, you, you basically paint a target on your back mm-hmm. and you're running with the football and not after it, yeah. which is a huge psychological difference. So if you think you have to run with the ball instead of after it, you are, you're behind the curve already. So it's hard to get on the line and just actually relax and uh, be yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's part of a true competitor There's, is they can do it yeah. on command. And it's hard. <laughs> you can't, yeah. not every day you're going to be, uh, you're going to be the, the best. So yeah, definitely. The best man win. Mm-hmm. Your wife, Kay, she's also an extremely accomplished shooter and the daughter yep. of legendary gunsmith Jim Clark Sr. Yep, yep. How did you guys meet? Uh, through, well, how did I meet Kay? Yeah. Well, it's an interesting story. I, I was up at, uh, we were passing through uh, Shreveport and I had read about Clark Custom Guns and this and that. And we stopped at the shop when they were in Keithville, Louisiana. And I had two friends of mine. We were going to a competition. I forgot some kind of a pistol match. So there's three of us. We're in the shop. We're looking around. Kay wasn't there. But anyway, uh, I didn't know Jim other than through reading about him in magazines and catalogs. And so anyway, we were, he's asking us, us guys, hey, what y'all getting, getting ready to do? And we told him we're going to a match. And 
we're going to go down the road, get a hotel and all this. He said, well, you know, why don't you just stay at my house tonight? We're going to be leaving. And, uh, it's there for you. If you want it, yeah, just lock the door when you leave. Hmm. So that was his, that was my introduction to Jim Clark. That's the kind of person he was. Yeah. He would, you know, truly a, truly a nice guy. He didn't yeah. know us from too much of, of anything. Yeah. And he let us stay at his home. So. Wow. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, I learned a lot from Jim senior, a lot about how to treat people. Well, you're also a pretty incredible gunsmith yourself, right? And I can't help but think, is that stuff that you've learned from him? Well, I came from a machinist background and a welder uh -huh. and a mechanic. So it's just working on different stuff. You know, it could, it could be a horizontal positive displacement pump or it could be a 1911 pistol. It's all, it's all basic mechanics. And you just have to apply uh, that open-mindedness of a mechanic to what, what you have at hand. But Jim had so much, you know, he had 50 years experience on gunsmithing. So it was hard not to be around him and learn a bunch of stuff really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I'm sure one of the questions that you always get asked is what do you, what do you recommend that they do in order to train and become a faster and more proficient shooter? Uh, it's time on the range. It's gun handling. You're not going to be at a buy skill level. It's mm -hmm. through hours of practice. You know, one thing I always try to do is uh, have a lot of ammunition. You don't need the best gun in the world to hit a target at 15 feet. Mm -hmm. You just need a lot of time on the range and uh, the open-mindedness to believe that what you're doing might not be right and you're willing to change it at a, in a heartbeat to do something better. Mm -hmm. What Once are the you things? Have the perception of knowledge, mm -hmm. the learning curve instantly stopped. Okay. So the open-mindedness to, to believe there's always better. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the things that you focus on when you're on the range? I want to have good runs. I want to shoot beyond my capability all the time. If you're scared to miss, you're never going to learn. So I always push faster than I can hit, and mm -hmm. I can always throttle back, make a few runs, good runs, and then go back to the house. But if you, if you never, especially in speed shooting, if you don't exceed your standards every time you go out and shoot, you're going to, you're going to soon have a standard, mm -hmm. and that's, that's where you're going to fossilize. You're going to fossilize right there. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that you don't like practicing? Well, it's a lot of things I don't like practicing. Uh, bullseye shooting is extremely hard for me. Why and is it's, that? It's, just, it's such a totally different discipline mm -hmm. than a speed shooter. And you would think it's all the same, but it's so totally different. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to cross into that reality and, and be of any, uh, of any worth at it. So I always try to humble myself with a few time fire shots on the range at distance. And what is the longest shot that you've hit? I've made some thousand yard shots with revolvers. Wow. Cool. What about with rifles? Well, in Louisiana, it's kind of hard to find a spot over a thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've shot some steel targets at a thousand with rifles offhand, stuff like that. Okay. Can you explain, I don't know if you'll remember telling somebody this, but can you explain the shoot yourself into poverty statement that you used to describe the commitment of time, money, and resources to get better in competitions? <laughs> well, you know, you're always responsible for your own destiny. Uh -huh. and it's only worth to you what you want to put into it. I put a lot of my own time and personal effort into it, of course, uh, before I had any sponsorship for like 15 years or something. I just, I lived it. I had to do everything. Uh, cast every bullet, load every round of ammo, work on every gun, uh, find a time to do it. But if it's truly in your heart and you want to be there, you're going to find time to do it. It's like anything 
if you think you're going to buy a gun and get a hundred thousand rounds of ammo and be, be somebody, you know, you're not going to be Tiger Woods if you go buy a set of golf clubs mm -hmm. and spend an, an hour a week on a driving range. You're not going to be Tiger Woods. He started when he was a kid and he, he's definitely any true athlete has put the time into it. It's hours and hours uh, where you could be doing other things. I could be fishing or just whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm out there with a gun in my hand. So, yeah. And the unfortunate part, though, is a lot of people think that if you put in that effort, that it's going to pay, but it doesn't always pay. It's not always a guaranteed. Yeah. Getting paid for what I'm doing is kind of a dream. I still kind of wake up and uh, can't believe it. You know, uh, I'm, I still, I'm still heavily subsidizing myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> people, might, people might not think that, you yeah. know, uh, but I still put money toward what I do mm -hmm. as a professional. And just to, it's just the way it is. If you want, if you truly enjoy doing it, you're going to do it. It has to come from the heart or you're not, you're going to take a certain level and then stop. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about the ATF for a second. So I think you're the perfect example of you can shoot fast. You can change up mags really quickly. So people who want to ban quote unquote high capacity magazines. You're the perfect example of why that law is kind of stupid if you really practice and become pretty quick at it. Kind of jokingly, has ATF come to make you surrender your trigger <laughs> finger? And I'm sure you hear that a lot, but it's pretty crazy that the way you shoot, you can operate a semi-auto as if it was a machine gun. You could even operate a revolver as if for a sec you might be shooting a machine gun. Right. If you look at the cowboy action guys, what they do with lever guns and single actions, it's just, you know, you're not going to regulate uh, human stupid, mm -hmm. I guess I, I can say. Because there's always another way around it. Uh, the criminals are always going to be armed. And that's just the way it is. Because they're a criminal. They make their own guns or they have them imported. They're, it's like the war on drugs. Yeah. Uh, they bring in marijuana and stuff by the ton. So if you wanted to bring in AK-47s and it paid more than marijuana, they're going to be bringing in AK-47s by the ton. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, that's just like prohibition, you know, it was a great failure. Just only certain people made money on booze. Mm -hmm. So you can't legislate any kind of morality. It has to come from the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know everything is. Uh, don't even get me started. I've been one of those people that really never discuss politics. But then the older I get and I've been now in the firearms industry for, I guess, almost nine years and. The more that you learn, it's so hard to keep my mouth shut and not have these discussions with people that just don't realize there's no sense to it. All of these laws are really just only hurting law-abiding citizens. It's pretty ridiculous. Good intentions doesn't solve anything. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> Is there a gun out there that you'd really like to shoot that you haven't been able to? Ooh, <laughs> that's a big question, I think. I haven't met a gun that I didn't want to shoot. Right. Uh, the, the, the older I get, the, the bigger the gun. I'm not really interested anymore. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, the big guns. I'd rather just shoot, just have fun. Yeah, the exactly. Fun, the, fun, the fun calibers, you know, 410 yeah. shotguns, 22 long rifle. and. You mean you don't like to get a concussion when you shoot a gun? <laughs> I, I, I don't. It just and I, and I see a lot of people doing that to, to young shooters and women, you know, give them a 12 gauge or a 10 gauge or yeah. 500. 500 magnum and i'm thinking well this is really this is really sad it is that yeah you, that you would introduce somebody at that level mm -hmm. you know it's crazy yeah so there's no gun that comes to mind that you would like to get your hands on that you haven't 
not really. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, do you know how many people would love to say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've shot a bunch of stuff and it's been really fun. I do have to say uh, the older guns are getting interesting, you know, the old le lever guns and uh -huh. uh, pump shot guns. And yeah, it's just, I like, I like anything with the trigger on it. So mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick and talk about SB Tactical. Jerry, you put out a video in 2014 where you were dueling two AR-15s with the SB-15 strapped to your arms. In it, you simultaneously point shot both guns, an array of five targets in 3.1 seconds with 20 rounds on the targets. Yep. What was that drill like, if you remember it? I know it was 2014. I, I do remember it exactly well. That was one of my best moments, I think, on a range in forever and ever. It was uh, no rehearsal, first take. Wow. Yeah. It was one of those, I had a good visual moment. And uh, I, was, I was relaxed enough to see. Uh -huh. And if you actually talk to, to athletes or you talk to fighter pilots or you talk to anybody who's truly at the next level and it all comes from vision. You have to so, basically visualize yourself doing it before it starts. Well, that, and also the ability to see more than one target uh -huh. and not, not focus on any one thing, but see everything. It's really hard to do, especially when you have two guns. Oh yeah. Five I know targets. it's, I mean, it's, yeah, cause it's hard <laughs> to even do with one gun. I think that yeah. that's actually something that I struggle with is being able to see the target you're shooting at as well as the next target. and. I don't know. What would you recommend for people to practice to get better at that? Well, put two targets close together and do a transition drill and then just keep making them further and further apart until they're way on the corner of your, or on your peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. I call it a punching bag drill. It's a good idea. It'd be, it's, you'd be surprised how fast you can index five or six feet. Usually if, if I'm up to speed, you know, you can move five feet in 18 hundredths of a second without any problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not seeing well, you can't do it. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a favorite SB Tactical brace? I don't. Okay. I don't. Sure don't. Are you a fan of them? I, uh, I'm open-minded on anything. You know, uh, to me, it, it's not the firearm. It's the person behind it that's responsible for it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how, how it's configured or what you're doing with it. You know, the responsibility comes from the individual. Just like when you're sitting behind the driver's seat of an automobile, you're yeah. responsible. Yeah, doesn't definitely. Matter, don't, doesn't matter if it's a Ferrari or a Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. you, you got the gas pedal, so. Yep, definitely. All right, well, guys, if you want to check out SB Tactical's braces, they have a lot in stock right now. Head on over to sb-tactical.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off. Jerry, do you teach any firearms training classes? I do, but it's been mostly military lately. Okay. Why is that? I don't really have the time to do individuals anymore uh -huh. or civilian classes uh, with the with the channels and the competitions and everything going on. I kind of keep myself to that to that level. Mm -hmm. And people really don't realize how much work goes into just creating content. Actually, that's what I'm planning to do after I'm done with this show is I dedicated today to record mm -hmm. content. And even for a five minute video, people have no idea <laughs> the amount of work that goes into it. And they just assume, even start a podcast. Like, well, I enjoy talking and I'm pretty knowledgeable about guns and I should start a podcast. But again, people don't realize the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes. 
And I'm sure you and I both wake up every day and can't believe this is what we do for a living, but it's not as easy as it looks. There is a lot of work that goes into it that it's not like, okay, there's somebody who follows you around with a camera and you just shoot guns every day. <laughs> as great as that sounds. <laughs> it's always the fine print in life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nobody told me to read that when I got started. <laughs> always the fine print. <laughs> You're actually going to be starting a podcast from what I heard. Is that correct? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to try it this year, start up a podcast. I've got some ideas on some very interesting topics and uh, just try to get people interested in shooting. You know, it's, it's one of the great American traditions. Mm -hmm. uh, very challenging. I, I find it to be very satisfying on a, on a personal level when you execute well any shooting, you know, a, a vet, be it a bullseye or an action match or. Uh, yeah, definitely. You're planning on doing this with Lena? I think so. Yeah. Okay. She's, okay, un cool. she's interested. And then, yeah, we've got, we got a bunch of ideas we're tossing around. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I look forward to listening to that. Thank you. All right. Lastly, is there any future plans or anything else that you'd like to share with listeners? Well, we're trying to get the schedule for this year up and running. We're going to probably go at the YouTube channel really hard this year. A lot of new content, uh, a lot of different strategies on how to present the videos and, uh, so it's going to be an exciting year. I think the sponsors are going to get more out of the channel and uh, we want to put more content out. Mm -hmm. That's my goal as well this year is create more content and work on the YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a big statement. You know, that little one sentence is a lot of hours. <laughs> I know. That's what I was just thinking. But people have no idea. It's a lot of work. It's the fine print. It's raining today. I can't do this. I yeah. Gotta do this. I got to get the guns. I got to get the ammo. I got to get the targets. Oh, I know. Just hauling everything to the range is work. I almost sometimes, I just need to hire somebody, just move all my stuff, set it up, and then I just walk in and pick up a gun and start shooting. <laughs> probably, probably one of the biggest mistakes I make, and I, that's from being an old revolver guy. I'll show up on a range with a rifle like an AR without a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think I'm going to play. I do that all the time. It's like, I, I know better than this. Why yeah. am I doing it? But, uh, it's one uh, of the th small things. My most common mistake is the ammo 9mm Browning, which is 380. But when you're mm -hmm. in a hurry and you go to grab your 9mm and your box of 9mm Browning yep. that you don't really yep. see, and yep. you get to the range, wait, what's wrong with this ammo? Why is the bullet stuck in the casing? Why is it so short? And then you realize pretty quickly or have somebody else load your magazines. And if you're wondering, you can shoot a 380 from a nine once before it jams. But mm -hmm. you spend about 30 minutes bashing the gun, saying that you can't cycle around only to realize that, oh, well, yep. I'm shooting yep. 380 out of a nine. <laughs> yep. I've seen nine shot in 40 calibers a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Just Not the mistakes you make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to keep your eyes open. Oh, fine, yeah. The fine print, the fine print. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, if people, they don't already follow you on social media, YouTube, all that, where can they find you? Ah, Michelec.com, uh, YouTube channel. Yep. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's our main social media right, media right now. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, moving forward, IWI. Jerry, I know you've used a bunch of the IWI products. You can shoot one of the Tavors incredibly fast. I've seen videos yep. of. I think you put 40 rounds on a target in 6.48 seconds with a 5.56 version and 32 rounds on a target with a 9 millimeter Tavor. 
in just yeah. over four seconds. Dang, that's crazy. 32 rounds and four seconds. Yeah, that's pretty innovative uh, product. That bullpup design is kind of interesting. Uh, that's what they're known for, of course, is their Tavores. So mm-hmm. yeah. they make a host of other stuff. Yeah, their Tavores, though, are really nice. I'm actually on the lookout right now to get one just because it's a great design. But that's so crazy, though. 30, figure a little over 30 rounds in four seconds. That's faster than, I feel like, some of the machine guns out there. I've got an aftermarket trigger group for one. I haven't put into the gun yet. Now that you said that. Uh, You're like, and I'm going to go make a YouTube video out of it. No. Yeah, yeah, I might have to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, if you guys want to check out the Tavors and all the other stuff, head on over to IWI.us. If you find any accessories that you want, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15 and you will get 15% off. And again, that is at IWI.us. All right, politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Attempt to ban congressional members from carrying at the Capitol defeated. On January 3rd, which marked the first day of the 117th Congress, and on the first day, the gun grabbers were already trying to strip away rights, 21 Democratic members of Congress wrote a letter to Majority Leader Nancy Pelosi and Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy asking for a provision in the 117th Congressional Rules to prevent members of Congress from carrying firearms on Capitol grounds. This was in response to newly elected Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from Colorado's 3rd District, who intends to carry her Glock at the Capitol. Washington, D.C. has a violent crime rate of 158% higher than the national average, And due to several attacks in the past of congressional members, congressional representatives have been specifically exempt from Washington, D.C.'s gun restrictions since 1967. Congresswoman Boebert wrote a letter signed by 83 congressional members in response to the attempt to strip away the right to protect themselves. Among the co-signers were Matt Goetz, Jim Jordan, Dan Crenshaw, and Thomas Macy. Thomas Macy and Lauren Boebert will be co-chairing the Second Amendment caucus to fight for our constitutional rights. After the rulings passed with the right to carry intact, Boebert released a statement saying, I ran for Congress and have now taken an oath to support and defend the Constitution. That fight began in earnest as House Democrats attempted to stop members of Congress from exercising their Second Amendment rights. I led 82 of my colleagues in fighting back and we won. I promise I will never stop defending our constitutional rights. While this is a great victory, and honestly, those are also of those colleagues that helped for Lauren to win this, they were also many of those who wrote to ATF in support of stopping the proposed rule change on pistol braces. We definitely need more representatives like them. Definitely. I don't know. I had the Pew Pew Jew on a few episodes ago, and he brought up a good point that although it's a win, It's still annoying that congressional members, they can carry, but yet citizens cannot, which is still so unconstitutional. But I think that the events that happened yesterday, which we'll talk about, well, when the show comes out, it's Monday, but the Hmm. events that happened at the Capitol are pretty much the perfect example as to why you should probably carry. All right, moving forward, Manicore Arms.
Jerry, I don't know if you're familiar with Manicore Arms, but they make some awesome parts for the Tavor. So I would highly recommend, if you want, I could even put you in touch with the owner, but I would highly recommend some of their upgrades for the Tavor. They have the FreeFlow M-Lock 4-ins, the curved butt pads, the switchback charging handle, gasketed port cover, all kinds of stuff. Really easy to use. I always call them comfort parts because they just make the gun that much more comfortable to shoot. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to manicorearms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That, of course, gets you 15% off. Today's Q&A is, what is your normal everyday carry gun? Jerry, I'm interested to see what you have to say about this. Well, it depends on where I'm going and how I'm dressed, of course. I have a clip-on uh, M&P Compact, a 9mm, that's mm-hmm. magnaported with uh, high-vis uh, H3 Trium fiber optic sights. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much my go-to, kind of just clip it on my belt and uh, go with it. Mm-hmm. If you see me on my property, I'll have it on pretty much all the time or somewhere really close to me. Or I've got a J-frame, one of the uh, scandium, titanium with the laser uh, that's magnaported with, with a night sight on it. If I want to do something a little bit lighter, put it in a pants pocket, a jacket pocket. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on lasers? I like them a lot. I like them a lot. They're on just about everything I'm going to use for a defensive purpose. And why is that? Because I typically, again, sort of deter my students from using lasers just because, well, wherever you point, even if you see where that laser is, you still have to implement good shooting skills to hit that spot. You do. One thing I I like about it as I'm getting older, and my eyesight is not all that good, it's hard to see a metallic sight or even a tritium sight, low light. Mm Mm-hmm. What really opened my eyes, to you, I could say it that way, to, to lasers, there was a laser and light match sponsored by Crimson Trace. They shot it for, I think, four or five years. You could put lasers and lights on anything you wanted. You know, we shot at night. And it really, we were shooting plate racks at, you know, 50 yards with a pistol with a laser. Hmm. And if you didn't have a laser, there's no way you're going to hit it. Even, even with a good quality night sight, your consistency wasn't there. Interesting. And we shot lasers on rifles out to 200 yards. It doesn't sound like much, but uh, I know we, we, a lot of guys say once you light the laser up, they're going to know where you are. But there's a point of no return where you, if, you, if you need to engage, yeah, you need to engage. Hmm. If you're not going to engage, well, you, you're not. You're going to leave. Mm-hmm. So uh, the laser kind of gives you that moment of vision that you can shoot it from the hip. You can shoot it around corners. As long as you see it on the target of intention, you know, you, that's where the bullet is going to go. Yeah. So it has, it has some advantages. Hmm. Interesting. I might have to change my stance on them then. But it, what it also shows you is how much you can actually shake on a target and still hit it. Mm-hmm. As an instructional tool, you can show a, a student, you take like an A zone on a standard IPSC target or USPSA target at 10 yards, mm-hmm. and you can shake that gun in that A zone and you say, nobody ever shakes this hard, this long, but yet you'll miss that A box. Because you had bad trigger control. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a visual problem. It's a trigger problem. So the laser gets the student uh, the visual effect of, I help, you know, I can shake this much. But as long as I trigger, I'm going to hit the target. Yeah. And do you uh, think that trigger pull is one of the biggest mistakes that shooters make? It is. It's more important than side alignment. Yeah. Definitely. It's the hardest thing to learn, especially under stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where everybody loves a pistol compared to a revolver because the pistol is going to have a shorter, lighter pull and it's easier to shoot under a stressful situation, but not necessarily the best choice. Mm -hmm. So, Hmm. okay. 
And then what do you typically carry for home defense? Well, I got all kinds of stuff. <laughs> You're like, it depends. Under my tissue box over there, in my... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so we'll just assume your entire house is just covered. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty ready for just about anything. Right. <laughs> I put, I put, I put, I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> I hear you. Bring it, so, 2021. <laughs> we got there. I was, I was, I, we we had some problem with feral hogs on the property. Uh huh. So we've got a thermal with a laser and a uh, suppressor, subsonic. That's always handy. Okay. Well, my normal carry is I kind of go back and forth between the SIG P365 and then the Hellcat, the Springfield Hellcat. And that's really just because of mag capacity and size. Yeah. Uh, both of them I can shoot well and I practice with. And then for home defense, I use the Smith & Wesson, the MMP, the new Optic Ready. Have you had a chance to try that out? I'm sure you have, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah I have. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, well, you can't well, beat the red you know, dot. Since you, since you brought that up, I actually have one that I keep close at hand. It's a, uh, it's the new 2.0 the optic ready. Yeah. That's the one that I have. Yeah. With a laser light on it, extended mag and, uh, it's tricked out ready to play. Which lasers do you typically prefer? What brand? Well, the crimson trace is grip activated and on an MEP, you just change the grip panel out. So it's really easy to do. Mm-hmm. And Olight makes a nice laser light combination. You can put on a Picatinny rail that fits under the front of the gun, mm-hmm. a green and a red. Uh, that's just some of the options. There's a lot of options out there, but I like something that's kind of instant. If you just grab the gun, it's going to, it's going to light up. Yeah. Agree. Less buttons, less buttons to push is always better. Yeah. Yeah. True. And plus you have to practice constantly so that it becomes muscle memory because most people won't use it. What do you prefer green or red lasers? Uh, the green is of course will actually act as a light. In some situations, it's so bright that it yeah. actually it'll actually light the room up huh. to some extent. Where red doesn't have that secondary effect mm-hmm. to, to see around it as much. So it can also be distracting that it's so bright. Yeah, that, uh, I haven't sh- I haven't shot either one enough that much to discern the differences. So yeah, okay. And then I'll say that also another home defense gun is the IWI Masada. And again, both of those guns. Large mag capacity. They shoot well, nice and steady. They're accurate. Those are mine. All right, moving forward, primary arms. If you're looking to get into long range shooting, you don't want to break the bank. Because I know for me, it's kind of stupid, but optics are usually the last thing that I think about after I put together a gun. And that could definitely cost quite a bit. Cool, I just dumped a few thousand in this gun and now I have to spend a thousand at least on an optic. Well, I would highly recommend that you check out Primary Arms, especially their SL-X4-14 rifle scopes. They offer a ton of features, usually found in expensive scopes, but for very affordable price. They have several different options and reticles to choose from, including front focal plane reticles. They also have the incredibly versatile ACSS reticles developed from Primary Arms, which gives you great capability for long-range shooting. You can find the SLX scopes on sale right now for only $199.99. And also, if you buy any Primary Arms optics, you will get a free scope mount if you use the code AVA. And that's just capital A-V-A. And that is at primaryarms.com. All right, Tacti Talk. Thank you.
Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. The new P50 from Keltec is here. I don't know if you saw pictures floating. They're circulating around social media from Keltec about the P50. A lot of people thought that it was a Photoshop fake gun because of its very unique appearance. But it turns out that it's actually real and it will be available starting the first quarter of this year. The pistol is named the P50 in reference to the number of rounds it holds. Keltec has developed a new pistol that utilizes the 50-round magazine that you would use in the FNP90. That's another 5.7 gun that is coming out, which is great because, again, all these guns that are chambered in 5.7, hopefully that drives ammo down or increases production. The most unique thing about this gun is how you load it. So you'll lift the barrel up and slide the P90 magazine into the lower portion of the gun, which is kind of interesting. This clamshell style reload will definitely take some time to get used to, and it likely won't be very fast, but the 50-round capacity magazine definitely eases some of that pain of the awkward reload. Utilizing the P90 magazine was a smart move as it's been extremely reliable in the past and they're readily available. MSRP on this gun is $995. The only thing that I can see that's going to be a huge drawback is given the past record of Caltech, anytime they've produced new firearms, they don't produce a lot of them. So they're usually hard to come by. And of course, they never sell it at MSRP because of that. So there's a lot of price gouging typically going on, but looks like a cool gun. I definitely wouldn't turn down the opportunity to shoot one. And Jerry, have you had a chance to check out the P50? I have not. I've been guilty of working too much here lately. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, they, it's they definitely... Usually bring out, they usually bring out some very innovative stuff. Yeah, they definitely do. They're definitely kind of ahead of the curve when they come out with some of their designs. But it is really interesting, though, how you load the gun. That's why I think people thought it was fake, just because of the way that the ammo was facing. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I would definitely be interested in shooting it. Okay, AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Trump supporters storm into Capitol during election confirmation. And even if you were really busy, I'm sure that you heard some of this that happened. Again, when the show comes out, it's Monday. This actually happened yesterday for us. Basically, during the election confirmation, while multiple senators objected to the results, protesters pushed through police lines. Things that you would never imagine seeing in our country occurred. Protesters scaled the walls around Capitol. They broke into the building, which was quickly evacuated. The evacuation happened so fast that the computers were left on and accessible to these protesters. A shirtless man in a horned Viking hat was photoed in the speaker's chair. Did you see that picture? I did, yeah. Yeah, that was one thing I will say is I'm kind of glad that I just don't have kids at this point, just because the way that the world is heading and things that you would never again, as I said, things that you would never imagine seeing. And I don't really care what side you're on. All of this is just I personally think uncalled for. Do I think that people have had enough of everything that's going on with politics? Absolutely. But yet I just I don't know. I wasn't too happy to see this. Yeah, uh, you know, violence is violence. You can't accept it on any level from any side. But I'd be really interested to see who these people are. 
I know. I had a I had a contact there who was there during the whole uh, a whole event, and he said he saw a staged two by fours and bricks that were there before the uh, before the demonstrations had started. Mm-hmm. Or I should say demonstration or protest, or however you want to say it. Yeah. And they don't believe these people are actually Trump supporters; that they were outside interest acting badly. And I would be really surprised. Uh, most conservative people are that, and they're not violent. They were there to express their opinion, which is legal. Absolutely. Uh, the violence is never acceptable by any uh, stretch of the imagination. So I would really be excited to find out, if we ever will, mm-hmm. who these people actually are. And if that truth will ever come out, I don't know. But uh, it was pretty horrible to watch that happen. But, you know, people, are, I think, are so frustrated. I'm not trying to make an excuse for it, but with the COVID and the mismanagement of so many different governments and the state level and uh, what they perceive a federal level also, uh, they're willing to uh, express their opinion. The violence mm-hmm. part was not acceptable. Yeah, uh, I agree. But, but the free expression of one's belief is what this country is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come together and talk about it, you know, uh, throwing bricks and burning people's houses down and businesses. That's not freedom of speech nor expression. That's just violence. Yeah, I agree. It's like internal terrorism. It is. I know. That's why I was like, all right, come on, guys, we're better than this. And you brought up a good point, which a lot of people have questioned, you know, who these people are. And even just the fact that this guy's shirtless, he has a Viking hat on, I guess the whole boogaloo look of Hawaiian shirts, I guess that's out. It's all about the Viking hats now. (laughs) But it was just kind of interesting, even their choice of clothing. The other the other thing people have to be very conscious of is being programmed. And we be, we, we're constantly bombarded by news mm-hmm. and we, we're constantly being divided from within. Absolutely. Blue states, red states, uh, black people, white people, yellow people, whatever. You know, you just it's, it's never a group. It's always it's never a nation. It's it's always a, a actual division of a nation. It never talk about unity. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so it, everybody has their own agenda. It's this or that or that. It's not not we the people anymore. So the, the oldest playbook in the world is if you, if you want to conquer a strong nation is actually divided on the inside to where it implodes. Mm-hmm. Right now, the United States is very strong as a standing military. And the only way they can actually get to us is, is if they divide us internally to where we collapse upon ourselves. So that's what you really have to be careful of is the propaganda that we receive every day through the news media, left or right, mm-hmm. that makes us into a, groups instead of a, a nation. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of division, especially within this last year, and it's really sad. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're all Americans, right? Yeah, so. You have to be, or we, or we don't stand. Mm-hmm. I agree. President Trump, he repeatedly tweeted for everyone to remain peaceful. And Twitter, of course, immediately responded by fact-checking that his tweets, because it talked about the election being fraudulent, so they blocked it from comments and being shared. They continued to censor his tweets and then blocked him out of his account for 12 hours. And they will only let him back in if he removes the tweets and stated if he violates one of their rules once again, he will be banned for life, which is just ridiculous. All social media platforms shortly started deleting any videos of the events as inciting violence. Again, another occurrence of mainstream media working against Trump, saying that President Trump incited the events in spite of his repeated calls for people to remain peaceful. The only funny thing, the only good thing to come out of this whole thing was some of the memes. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the memes, but 
Some of them are pretty freaking hilarious. People can definitely get pretty creative. That had me cracking up. But other than that, I was just, and it's sad, but I just can't help but think I'm just glad that I don't have kids because I would hate to see that this is the world that I'm going to have my children be raised in. I don't know. It's sad. America definitely has changed. Well, it's, it's, it's reality. You know, you made that statement, which is really sad for you to say that, mm-hmm. uh, that you don't want to have your children exposed to it. But uh, every generation faces its, uh, its challenges, you know, and you have to face it with the reality. It's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And how can you deal with it and make the most of it? Uh, and what would you recommend? Well, it's hard to get an honest anything anymore. That's where people are so frustrated. Yeah. Uh, politicians really don't act for the people or they don't perceive it to be that way. There's no transparency and hardly anything, just like this last stimulus bill. We're giving away trillions of dollars to foreign countries where we should be helping our own industries here, our, our restaurants and people who actually need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we subsidize losing projects. Uh, pork is everywhere on, on left and the right. Mm-hmm. So when you have a bill come through, it's 5,000 pages and nobody reads it. Just like the, the Healthcare Act, you had to pass it before you could read it. Now, when you hear when you hear a government official tell you that, that instills a lot of uh, confidence in in a voter mm-hmm. that you send these people there to actually legislate and spend your tax dollars. These people are actually our employees, and the money they spend is ours, so it's going to be passed down to the next generation to pay. So there's no free lunch in any of this. But we keep we keep accepting the reality. We're kicking a can down the road, and sooner or later, uh, we're going to be so far in debt that uh, even the third or fourth generation from now is not going to be able to repay it. Yeah. So that's the reality of the whole problem. Mm-hmm. They're giving away money we don't have to begin with, and uh, they send it to other places that uh, we should have no business uh, subsidizing. So yeah, agree. I agree. Anyway, that's the sadness of the whole thing. But how do you how do you stop it? You try to vote, and uh, when you lose confidence in your voting, well, then the whole system implodes. Mm-hmm. Which is kind what, of what, what happened. What in, yeah, what, what incentive is it for a guy to miss work one day and go vote if he thinks the votes are going to be altered? Exactly. With no fact-checking, you know, or mail-in ballots, or don't have to be a citizen to vote, or just it's just an endless uh, array of uh, people just having enough of it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But pay your taxes on time or they'll come. Yeah, no kidding. Wages and, and seize your property, you know, that's the. Exactly. And they'll know exactly how much you owe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Don't miss your taxes. Yeah, no kidding. All right. <laughs> it's time to wrap up iTunes reviews. We are all out of iTunes reviews. So if you haven't left one yet, please do so. First review is from Twisted Dragon. Best show ever. Five stars. Hands down the best gun related podcast out there. Ava is down to earth, approachable, knowledgeable, and has a way of getting Interesting info out of her guests. Keep up the great work. Came across Ava when she was a guest on Colian Noir's podcast. I really enjoyed all of her podcasts and the variety of guests she has. Whether you're new to loving guns or have been loving them your whole life, she'll keep you engaged and informed. And the information will be at an appropriate level. Thank you, Ava. Next is Justin Paulson. Another amazing episode, five stars. Only in a onesie was a great episode. As I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary of being a Patreon member, I can't help but think that the Gun Funny Patrons is not just a group of people chatting on Facebook, but that we are all a close family, always willing to help one another out with anything. I encourage everyone to join the Patreon group. Jerry, out of those two, can you pick a lucky winner out of the first or the second? Oh, 
<laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Okay. This is, <laughs> you caught me off guard here. I need to bring up something on the screen for this. Oh, no. No, just either the first review or the second review. Okay, first. Okay. Twisted Dragon, contact me, and I'm going to send you out a free AF shirt. Now it's time to wrap up. Guys, if you want to support this show, consider becoming a Patreon. You could do so at gunfunny.com. Also want to thank our $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, Dylan Savage, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon is Jon Snow. He wants me to say that Operator Tickles was hit by a tank once. She refused to pay for the tank. All right, Jerry, thank you so much for your time. I know you're an extremely busy man, so I appreciate you just taking the time to come on and talk. I know when I told the patrons that you were going to be a guest, they were all extremely excited. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And once again, can you just tell listeners where they can find you online? Mitchellack.com. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. On that note, we're out of here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>